Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in television, focusing on HBO's modern familial dramedy, Succession. To hash it out, you guys are in for a goddamn treat. So buckle up, fuckleheads, because we have the largest roundtable we've ever had on one of our shows, because I wanted to get our very functional NDP family together to talk about the very dysfunctional Roy family. So I hope you have your favorite drink in hand or your favorite songbird to eat under a veil, because we're going to dish. So without further ado, let's meet our panel. First up, we have podcast regular Miss Alexander Parsons of alexanderparsons.com. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. And next up, we have OG Theodore T. Buck in the house. Welcome, Mr. Buck. My uh, website is parrotheadlover.gov. <laughs> oh, you changed it. Parrotheadlover.gov? Dot net. Dot net. Org. Org. Okay, and then third on the panel, we have our producer, Mr. Clayton Anderson. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm uh, just here to get uh, some elevation on things. Uh, I, 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 it's about goddamn time. And you know what, uh, Mr. Anderson? Um, I gotta give I gotta give credit where credit is due. I gotta my first accolade for the night goes to you because uh, back in its infancy, when uh, the show was a little little glimmer in the cultural eye, you were the very first one. On my in my orbit that said, Novo, dude, you gotta fucking check this out. This is great. So thank you. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Clayton Anderson. And for me as well, we were on a little trip in Las Vegas and he Clayton was the one that told me to watch this show. So I gotta give credit to him too. Okay. There'll be more accolades as yeah. as uh, the shit talking commences, guys. <laughs> but before we do that, let's tell the good people why. Why are we talking about succession today on our show? Well, we're talking about it today because there is no other production that has done what Succession has done, and that is successfully modernize classical storytelling, like Shakespearean storytelling, because we've seen the story before, but never through this lens, never as strong and demanding of our attention. So we're not dealing with kings anymore. We're dealing with CEOs, as this version of this story is both uniquely cultural and a true testament to where our society is. Now, before we can discuss, of course, we all need a little background. Created by Jesse Armstrong, the series debuted on June on June 3rd, 2018, completing its run on May 28th, 2023. It consists of four seasons, totaling 39 episodes. It stars Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook, Alan Ruck, Nicholas Braun, and Matthew McFadden. The show, of, of course, as you probably already know, has won a number of awards, including a British Academy Television Award and a number, a number, a vast number of Emmys and Golden Globes. So there is so much to fucking discuss today. But before we do, guys, we got to take a little break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. 
powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life, and I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours, or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're gonna love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Okay, guys, we are back, and I want to start here before we dive into the the nit and gritty, you know, of uh, the meat of the matter. I want to start with first impressions. So I want to hear what you guys thought about the show when you first got on, through its run, into the very end. Yeah, so like I said before, I, I, I hadn't heard about it, but I hadn't really seen it. Like, I, it didn't seem like something that appealed to me at first, and then, you know, Clayton was the one that got me on board with it, but... um. Yeah, it's it to me. It's it's one of those. Um, it's in the pantheon of of great HBO shows. Um, it's one of those shows that, uh, like you said, it has great storytelling, um, classical storytelling elements, and it's also one of those you know where <laughs> movie or TV shows are written better than most movies, and this is one. Oh of them. God, yeah, long form. Um, mm-hmm. Just the long form yeah. storytelling. It, it's fantastic. So. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's uh, yeah. really yeah. better than Breaking Bad, better than. Oh, fucking... no, no. I think that's still. That's OK, still... this is just top 10 then. Top 10. Yeah. Do we have any other top 10s in the house? Yep. Allie, top, Clayton. Top, top five for me. Top uh, five. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, no, I mean, like, I just I don't it's hard for me to do top 10, but no, it's it's not one of my top 10 shows okay then let's hear impressions then young lady i i was one of those like people that were like okay if i hear one more person talk about succession like i'm gonna blow my brains out yeah and (laughs) i remember hearing it in like 2019 like from other financier people in new york being like you gotta fucking watch the show it's so fucking on point it's nuts and um i was like is it really good is it I was like, and i was like oh it's that good and they're like yeah and these are people that like don't watch a lot of tv that would tell me that and so it got on my radar and then I didn't watch it um, until I kind of forgot about it. And then I got annoyed by people telling me. And then it wasn't until like, what, a couple months ago, I mm-hmm. binge watched it. So I just like watched oh, it wow. two months ago. So it's like fresh in my head. And yeah, I got okay. obsessed. Yeah, I got a little I got a little obsessed. So it did I, happen. It clicked. No, it clicked. I, I mean, I didn't think about whether I'm like, wow, this is one of my top favorite shows, but it is one of like maybe my top favorite drama shows as far as like um like the intensity of it yeah oh god and oh, the god. writing and the writing's great um but we'll get there. Yeah. yeah we'll get there but i don't i didn't like really think about that too much but um yeah that's 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 what i have to say because i watched the pilot and i was kind of a, I what it was intense but i was a little bored I'm like oh is this a bunch of like 
rich white people complaining. It's a, like, it's a slow start. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a slow, slow burn, burn and then it picks up. Because yeah. I was around a lot of those fucking people in New York. And I was like, okay, mm. this is what I got. I already know these kind of people. And then I kept watching. I was like, Jesus Christ, this show is fucking intense. <laughs> so, yeah, it got me sucked in. It was great. Clayton, top five. Why? Yeah, and, and there admittedly probably is some recency bias there. If I took time, maybe it bumps out of top five, but it definitely is in the top 10 for me. I think um, what some people also forget that this was actually the show that took the baton from Game of Thrones, too. So oh, it is it is Game of Thrones, in essence. It, it is, is, it it is Game of Thrones. It, is. it took the TV spot, though, like yeah. 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. And it's the same time, story time in a lot of ways. Right. But it yeah. modernized it. It yeah. put it in business context. And yeah. some of the same visual elements that Game of Thrones left you in awe of, yeah, it did that, but it was different, right? You were, instead of being in Westeros, you were in Tuscany or Norway mm. or, mm. Uh, you know, on helicopters to go play All a the baseball realms. game. Right. I yeah, didn't exactly. even connect that. That's brilliant. Huh. Well, I used to tweet that Greg was going to win the Game of Thrones. I would I would tweet stuff like that. I'm like, if anybody's going to win this Game of Thrones, it's going to be Greg. That would have been relief. very equivalent to uh, kind of how it ended. Brand. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that, guys. So um, let's just like we've been talking about this story is has been told before. And usually on this show, we start with story. We start with plot. We start with narratives and then trickle down in the characters. But I, I don't want to do that today because the, the story is so simple. You know, the plotting is complex and we'll get to that in a minute, but the story is simple, right? We know, we know what the end game is. And I think before we continue to discuss, we should tell the good people guys for the rest of this episode, a lot of fucking spoilers. Like, if you haven't seen the show, go ahead and hit that pause button. Go watch a show. Come back. So this is your warning, fair warning. Uh, because I want to start with the characters. Because mm -hmm. this this story is a simple story with a lot of complex characters. And I think that is the heart and soul of what Succession is. And I want to start, I want to begin with the end. And I want to start with... L to the O-G-A-N Roy, Logan Roy, uh, played by Beautiful. played by Brian Cox, the patriarch of the family. Now, I want to I want to I want to start the discussion with this. You know, stories like this, the death of a character like Logan Roy, because we see him pass in season four, that means something with Shakespearean storytelling that means something to the story. What is his death mean to you guys well for one thing i like the way they handled it actually mm -hmm. um it, you weren't prepared for it and they didn't you know you didn't see like this dramatic death or passing or anything you didn't even see him die and that's kind of how death is in a way in, in real life you know you, you don't see it coming you don't you know you hear about it from other people seeing it but it's it's kind of that thing you know that old saying you come in this world alone you die alone kind of thing um mm -hmm. so i really like the way they handled it because I felt like it was more impactful that way as well as how they And did. it was hinted at at season 1, you know? He yeah. had he had health issues he had from health the beginning the entire time, which also was one of the best episodes of this whole series was when he had the bladder infection. Um <laughs> that oh my one, god, that was the funniest episode. I was crying laughing. I need to rewatch that one cuz yeah. they're it's not normally that funny, you know? No. Like and then I just could yeah. 
Oh, that I was... thought the entire series was hilarious. It's a dark comedy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's Adam McKay. Um, yeah, and of... Will Ferrell. You know, yeah. people forget that those were the producers. Of yes, the show. they do. So, they do. Yeah. So they all lost. Basically, to me, it symbolized they all lost their. Um, what? What's? What do you call the person? Like people who are like like codependent, um, and they lose their. Or somebody has an addictive issue, like addiction, and they lose their just like a codependence. Yeah, they they lose yeah. their like enabler. Mm. It's like there's a certain word mm. for it, and they use it in, like Alan. They basically lost, like even um, what's his name? Uh, oh my god, I'm doing my brain is just farting right now. But um, yeah, they lost their and they're like king. Yeah, they lost their, Yeah, they're. Yeah. They lost their, but also their abuser. The catalyst. They yeah. lost. They lost their, their like yeah. abuser. They lost their king. They lost. It's you know they lost their villain and their hero. So there was this like very much instability. Like who are they without this person? Mm. So, so their identity. Yeah. Know. Well, their identity was very much torn and was like like connected to who he was their father and he's like a king of he's he's the classic villain and he's a classic narcissist manipulator in the show so you have that like him manipulating everybody now he's gone so now they're like struggling and we like, love to hate him almost like an anti-hero sometimes yes well. he was an anti-hero for sure too so that's that's my view of it it kind of left a lot of vulnerability for the children like that we've already seen but like who what is, and even like what is the show without him too that's kind of how i felt cuz he was such a big force in the show you kind of like couldn't wait for him to get back on the screen cuz he's always going to scream at somebody <laughs> <laughs> fuck, off. fuck off yeah yeah um you know to me actually i thought his death was was imminent the bigger question going into it was was it going to happen in season 1 and the story is about all the fallout that happens during the play for succession or what we actually ended up getting obviously. And that was how does it go at the end? Mm -hmm. Um, But to Ali's point, like he was such a tour de force when he was on screen that once they removed him and which was that episode in and of itself was some of the most brilliant acting I think I've seen on TV. Yeah. Um, But once you remove him, it created chaos. There was a, power mm-hmm. vacuum and you really got to see the true colors of each person and mm-hmm. to the point of who how low would you go to take his spot now that mm. now that you know there's a huge hole there and, and someone's got to fill it i really yeah. like these interpretations because i this is why this is why we discuss uh, i so I'm hearing catalyst. I'm hearing that he's one part catalyst. I'm hearing that there was, it it created a a plethora of different things in its aftermath. I actually took a different, I'd love to hear what you guys think of my interpretation because I took a little bit of a different spin on it. I, I did it again, since we're starting with characters, I did it in terms of his character and his death to me meant that he won. That's how I look at it. In a very mm-hmm. short, very mm-hmm. short way, he won. He never had to apologize. He never had to uh, pass the baton on. He never had to allow someone to succeed him. He died on top. Yeah. And as he said very eloquently to his kids, um, 
you're not serious people, people yeah, yeah. right? And and he did he felt he did that to his grave. You know, he never he he never he stayed true to his character from the very beginning. His arc was almost like a straight line. And I, I want to talk about more like arcs and storytelling narrative. definitely when we get, get to the kids. Mm-hmm. But for me to me, he got the last laugh. He died on top. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. That's actually a good I thought about that myself too, watching it, but that's, yeah. So let's switch gears to the kids, okay? And I I, um, I did a very fancy subtitle. I don't know if you guys read this. I called it an Orwellian or- overture. I'm calling it that because as much as this story is compared to f- fucking Shakespeare, and, and it is in a lot of ways, it's it's, I would argue that it has... Orwellian tropes because the kids are a perfect example of like allies becoming enemies, enemies becoming allies. Like it, it, it changed so much. It made your head spin like Jesus fucking Christ. And of course we have to start this conversation with Kendall Roy played by Jeremy strong. And I want to tee you guys up with this question before we go talk about his symbolism, which was water often throughout Mm -hmm. the, the, the run of the show. I want to, I want to talk about arcs again, because like a, a normal arc would have him, someone, a character like him in a normal show would have him actually becoming the CEO. He would fulfill his initial drive in the end, but he had what I am calling an inverted arc. He essentially ended up where he began, which mm-hmm. was in the losing seat. He he did not, he lost what he so desired. Now, I'm going to tee you up with this question. Do you believe that this is an apt ending for his character? Absolutely. I Because... And I think this is with, you know, all the kids, they all show traits of their father in some sort of way, but they're not their father completely. And as he said, they're not serious people. Um, they're Nepo babies. Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't deserve what they get. I mean, he, he's not a good person. He killed, basically killed the guy. No, not basically. He, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So he was an accessory, yeah, he was an to, accessory the to a crime, but at the same time, too, he, he's not prepared, and he obviously showed in the last episodes he can't, you know, control his emotions. He doesn't understand. He he just he just wasn't fit for the job. So, I I, I think I would have been more upset if he actually got it at the end, because mm. it would have seemed like it's too. I actually thought he was going to get it for a while there, to be honest. Well, I like how they I was like to that, and because I'm so I think I'm so used to normal arcs and shows. Where you're like, oh, well, this makes the most sense in a normal, traditional so- uh, story narrative structure. As Ryan, right? Ryan Johnson said, he wanted to subvert your expectations. And, and, and he did. And he did. <laughs> and he shouldn't have done it in The Last Jedi. And I won't get on, on a rant with that. But in this show... Oh, we're, we are contractually obligated yeah, to do a T-Buck tangent, tangent corner, corner every show. And you know who... I You know, we have never had both you and Allie on a show and you guys are the biggest star Wars fans I've ever met. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So if you want to go down that rabbit hole for, I'll give you one minute. (laughs) (laughs) I, Allie, I am curious to hear what you think of that. Um, so wait, we're talking about the star Wars thing or we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Rian Johnson's uh, ability to not, subvert your expect or we that he wanted to subvert expectations right yeah, yeah. you're talking about episode 10 9 no or nine. 9 okay eight. uh not the last skywalker no it's 8 episode 8 yeah episode eight. the the last oh wait last um yeah. oh the last yeah well nobody liked that one 
<laughs> that, All right, moving yeah, on. I, I, I mean, back. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Really? I was fun. I think a lot of. I think it was. Fun. I think fun. a lot of people had a lot of attachment to the idea of who Luke Skywalker was and is, mm-hmm. and a lot of them forgot about how the archetype of what Joseph Campbell helped create was like the hero archetype that um, George Lucas worked with. Um, yeah. And Luke, like Luke Skywalker, was a little whiny bitch in the beginning. Like yeah. he was like, I don't want to go. I don't wanna. Just to pull it back, let's do a noble pullback. <laughs> Sorry, because no, 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 I like it because there. you know what's weird? We can't actually tie that into our show because he did subvert expectations. Luke Skywalker dramatically changed, or we didn't expect what ended up happening. Much like Kendall Roy, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. the exact same thing happened. I actually, I. I have the receipts to prove it, but I picked the ending right going into the No shit. Yeah. Woms Gams? Tommy Tommy Woms. Tom, yeah. Tommy Dub? Tommy Dub, you thought you, you already knew that he was gonna get that CEO was, as as was, a as was, a puppet CEO. As who I was betting on, yes. Um Jesus Christ. You didn't think it was Greg. No. Am I the only one in the room that thought it was Greg? I just yeah, want, I, I just love Greg. Was, I didn't think it was I'm Greg. kidding. I didn't think it was Greg either. I honestly had no idea. So uh, Tom was a perfect little little curveball mm-hmm. to that. But going back to Kindle before we go into Tom, mm-hmm. it sounds like are you in agreement or disagreement with his particular ending? I thought it was apt. I think the the fascinating thing to me about Kindle is is that piece of water. Like mm-hmm. there are pivotal moments in every oh, yeah. single let's, season. Let's transition and and i doubt this is what jesse armstrong was going for but to me it feels like kindle is like floating out in the ocean similar to how he did in mm. in the pool scene or in the uh like before he, scene. or it, it appeared like he was committing suicide or something yeah like that. yeah i don't know we can you can argue that whether that's yeah, intention that's but, but to me it feels like you know he's he's floating out there and the only thing in life that he's got going for him is is to become CEO. Like he's ruined mm. his relationship. I'm the eldest family. son. <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah, what is it? The since he was Daddy's seven, right? He said, boy. since I was seven, he was he's been yearning for this. And yeah, it feels like the CEO position is a metaphorical like life raft or yeah. floating dock for him. Mm. And if he doesn't get mm. that, like I like that, he's going down. And I didn't even well, connect the water until I read your notes. I was like, oh, sh- shit. Yeah, there's water in every... How did I not mm-hmm. see that? Um, no, I think you're s- spot on. It, the Every time I saw him in, in each season, I was like, is this show about mental health? Because... <laughs> Boy, I Googled what mental health disorder does he have. I was like, and people... Like, I was like, he's manic depressive. And like, manic... He like has mm-hmm. all the classic signs as character of being like bipolar, manic depressive one or two. And I have like a... my. It's, and his drug abuse. It, well, yeah, most, yeah, a lot of mental Most people that are, yeah, he's an addictive personality type, which makes him everything. He was addicted to, like, yeah. So yeah. that's why the water makes a lot of sense too, because it's like this flow of up and down. Like a lot of people I've heard refer like anxiety and depression as like drowning, being in water. Like sometimes you feel like you're floating, sometimes you feel like you're swimming, and sometimes you feel like you're drowning. And that is a, I mean, I've been there with anxiety and depression and that is how it feels. And that makes a lot of sense that his archetype would be connected to water. So I kind of, I I felt the exact same way in just 
kind of thought about it in a in a, you know different verbiage. Like I felt like he was the water symbolized the extreme versions of his character and identity because at the we would see him near water at the worst in his life. He'd be you know that subjective. Right, yeah. that exact subjective version of is he committing suicide? What is he doing? But also at his best, yeah. when he Living learned class. he was going to become he right, when him. he learned he was going to become CEO, yeah. he took a dip in the water. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so it was always these extremes. But I like that. I feel like Clayton, to your point, you kind of more eloquently put it like it's it's how his journey floated in different directions through throughout the series. I really like Clayton's analogy too because the final scene is really pivotal with him too because Oof. it involves water but he's not in the water he's only viewing it from a distance there is mm-hmm. a story out in vanity fair did a did a piece on jeremy strong as a whole yeah um yeah. And, and we all know jeremy he's a he gets very a bit of a method actor yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah but apparently he was considering he made a run and tried to jump in the water that day <laughs> and and, he, oh, no and, shit. and the, the actual that. bodyguard went and like ran after him and prevented him from jumping in but it was like a freezing cold day yeah and you're like okay jeremy maybe reel it back in a little bit (laughs) let's switch gears to mr roman roy played by kieran culkin i uh, time and time again when i was doing my research for the show i would just see the youtube videos dedicated to this or you know almost analytical essays like you could write a you could do a thesis like mm-hmm. graduate study coursework on the show i think and people would often ask why is roman the way he is so i thought that would be a good topic because he is he has as we've already talked about a little bit you know this is some of the best dialogue writing i have ever seen and definitely the most the best insult dialogue writing like their dynamics between the characters and roman had some of the best lines in the entire series mm-hmm. but just to dig in a little deeper like we'd like to do on our show this poor i feel like just probably to tee up the conversation i feel like he had to have been abused the worst yeah from all the context clues we got no i, I agree with you on that you, you get that feeling that he was abused the most you also there, there's something to that point though there's a comment that he makes about his siblings used to lock him in a cage or they would treat him like a dog and feed him dog food and mm-hmm. then, you know, Connor and Kendall were like, they would say, wait, you loved playing that game. You wanted to do that. You asked us to do it. Um, so there's kind of this dynamic there where he, he's kind of like the the court jester a little bit. You, you're not sure mm-hmm. really what is real and what's not real with what he's saying because, you know, he's always just saying these outlandish things. So there, there's that definitely part to his character. But overall, it's, you know... He's your kind of, he's the playboy type. He he's Well, he likes to take his PPI, yeah, but he, he doesn't want to, do to fuck the, anything. Yep. As Shiv yeah. has yeah. eloquently put no, it. No, he wants to fuck his mom. And they constantly make jokes about him fucking his mom and, yeah, or the, wanting to. And whole like Oedipus. Oedipus, Oedipus. Oedipus. Yeah. 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 Complex, yeah. Complex. And like, that's just a normal jab. So it's just kind of like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't imagine those dynamics in that. In if that was a real family, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, what's before we? Uh, I do want to say this before I forget. You know, we have the same dynamics with our roundtable. We have three male voices and a female voice. Oh, look and, at that! Yeah, how and how Fuck fitting off. that we're. <laughs> Please don't let me be Connor. And, 
content. And how fitting that uh, we're also in the vein of talking about Logan Roy through all of these characters that we just had Father's Day not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So I feel like everything is con- the universe told us to do this episode. And I feel like we should also tell the good people uh, we are not sponsored by HBO, even though we have a long running list of we're just I think we're just fanboys and girls. They just make good content. Mm-hmm. But going back to Roman Roy. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of daddy issues to yep. dig in here <laughs> on this one. Um, to, to me, it almost does go to Roman was the third boy you know born yeah, his youngest dad. and and you know shiv obviously is it was more of his princess and and roman got nothing from logan mm-hmm. during his childhood but except for maybe physical abuse so there's mm-hmm. there's an element there of i don't know maybe some type of stockholm syndrome yeah i was where, thinking that too but and then i think you see there at the end and this is probably the stockholm syndrome too like how far it's a it should, it's a good question of how how far would you go for someone whose opinion you care most about? Um, what would you do for that? Because I think if someone says, "Hey, go rob a bank," you're going to be like, uh, "No." But if it's that one person that says, "Please go rob this bank for me," it would mean so much. I really need this from <laughs> you. Like you start thinking about it differently yeah your, your metaphor is <laughs> yeah and you're like would you ever do that if and and the only difference between the two requests is who's making the request and for mm. roman it was dad it was dad yeah, yeah. oh no i agree i got i got i i love um his character i actually like like Maybe because I'm like the young. A lot of a kid. lot of the ladies stand over him. Yeah. Are you are you there? Yeah, I think are so. He's pre- he's pretty adorable. Um, ah, he's, a sh- okay. he's a short king. Um, he's a short. Oh, I like. That's it. what we like. To, like we like it. to say he's definitely a short king. Um, he's a phenomenal actor, and I think he stole a lot of the scenes. And some of his acting was almost as close as seeing Brian Cox's acting. Um, yeah. and you could see like the like he was using a lot of like what he must that family is his family's very interesting the mm-hmm. McCulkin family so god knows what the fuck he used to channel that type of shit i found it like it's not it's not shocking for a lot of businessmen in new york there's a big like cliche of them liking to be dominated and having issues and like wanting to be like submissive to older women like that is a very known thing among the financial mm-hmm district um so i kind of like was like lol <laughs> i've seen that i've been to those parties so <laughs> like but the but the thing that kind of like his the thing that irked me and i was trying to figure out the most is yet yeah, his like all of a sudden he would submit and get so scared mm. of his dad like he you clearly he had a mind of his own he was very smart but he also did really dumb shit so I liked his character probably besides Shiv. They were like my two favorite kind of siblings. Shiv, I always loved. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite character overall then? Oh God. Yeah. It's. um, I got to put everyone on the spot. At least once in a Um, show. (laughs) More, more work contractually. Not Kendall. Okay. Definitely not Kendall. (laughs) Um, It's. 
I I, is it, I would is it Roman? Then? I would say Roman. Yeah, I think Roman, Roman and then Shiv is a close second. Shiv, Shiv like. is a close second, but I, I love. I kind of was. I love seeing Brian Cox on. I love watching him. I think I'm a Tom and Greg guy, like the odd couple. Disgusting brothers. The disgusting yeah. brothers. <laughs> I mean, I love that actor in general. He's phenomenal. The one who played. Um, Tom. Oh yeah, he's a Brit. I think people yeah, forget he, that. Like he's he's did such a good he job. He was in with Tom. Pride and Prejudice. Yep. <laughs> but let's talk about uh, your favorite or second favorite uh, to round out the uh, the Roy the Roy kids uh, before we get to Connor since he, mm-hmm. he came from a different marriage, uh, and that's Siobhan Shivya in the side Roy, played by Sarah Snook. I want to tee up the conversation by again beginning at the end. Why do you believe Shiv voted against Kendall at the very end? I, I, because she's the smartest child out of all of them. And I think she has, there, there's a couple things at play. I think one, obviously she's the most intelligent out of all of them. She is. Yeah. I agree. She, she has a little bit, second. I second that. Yeah. The little bit of a conscious in some aspects. And I think the biggest thing though, was the position she's in right now. She mm. is getting ready to have a child. And her dad, her protector is gone. Um, and I think she feels a, a huge sense of vulnerability if she's not going to be in control of things. So I think that was kind of played a role into that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that she's the most probably intuitive one too out of all of them because mm-hmm. she's so emotionally, yeah. she, she has, you could see more of emotion in her eyes. I think she's almost the most like her father. Yeah. Really? I think she's Why? the most... If you just think about her humor, the way she interacts with a lot of people, personal even like relationships. her personal yep. sexual relationships, yeah, um, just like she's a lot like her dad um, mm-hmm. in that yeah. in that aspect. Um, she's she's like was willing to like fucking cut him off and not talk to him and like stay and not like go f- fuck yourself. Like yeah. more than any of them, she wasn't as afraid of her dad as the boys were. I think personally, um, just by watching those a lot of the seasons. But I think she said no to Kendall too, because I, what, what you just said, um, she was having a baby and she did not like, she just saw how he was acting in the chair and he got all cocky. And she's like, this is the, she saw the future. She saw the future. She's like, I I can't fucking stop. I can't do this. Like I can't, he's going to fucking have one thing happens. He, has an addiction problem he's going to take the fucking business down we have to clean up after his mm. mess like it's not it's too much of a risk and yeah she, she's a family and all that stuff so she just couldn't do it yeah um i agree with a lot of that i think there's a couple thoughts i've got here i've i've heard the the keep it in the family you know having the baby with tom but i i don't think that's the reason like because in the real world tom's one or two bad quarters from being ousted mm-hmm. as ceo yeah. anyways um i think Oh, you're seeing the story after the end credits yeah. kind of thing. Like how their their stories played yeah, out yeah, in yeah, your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think Roman said what Shiv was thinking and that like he's right. They're all bullshit. Like mm-hmm. Shiv Shiv may be the smartest, but she's never really been deep in the business. She had kind of an empty title there mm-hmm. for a little while. Kendall. She was like a political coordinator. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. When we first exactly. Her, she yeah. was in politics. Right. So. And, yeah. Roman has been with the company for like two seasons. And, and yeah, 
sure he went to like manager training or whatever that was. He's a dumb, but guy. he's yeah. terrible at this. The, uh, yeah. the liability of uh, his, you know, PP his, being mm-hmm. everywhere is not great. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then Kendall, who may understand their business the best, is an addict and unstable. And there's the you know manslaughter thing. So yeah, yeah. not that's not that's great. A big one. They're all liabilities. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and I think I think at the end there too, there's there's a little bit of element of pettiness. Like she knows that Roman and Kendall kind of cut her out at the mm-hmm. beginning and True. she was yeah, basically saying did. like and no and she she had to link up with Matson because of that. right so she's basically saying like you know what you were gonna you were gonna cut me out and now i can cut you out so if i can't have it then nobody can i like the again i love the interpretations because i i, I kind of went back to who the characters were mm-hmm. and i agree go going back to your original point book of she's the smartest you know i think she knew that she, I think she did it because she knew that if I can't be king, I can at least be queen. Yeah. Because she'll be second in command next to Tom. Mm-hmm. Because though she won't have, though she won't have direct power, I mean, think about, I liken it to a president and a first lady. Think about how much power a first lady has. Like, fucking Christ. But they're you not, know? I don't think they're really president first. Matson's president. Yeah, he's still like right, the, but he's still going to have there. I mean, you could see I mean, we're going to talk about Tom here in a minute, but you could see the demeanor change. You could see how he was ta- like this is why I love Tom played by Matthew McFadden as as an actor, a character actor because even his body language, oh. like as soon as he actually became CEO, he changed a little bit, right? And the power dynamic t- between Tom and Shiv was inverted. It, it it flipped 180. And you can see that in how they held hands, even, you know, at the very end of that scene. Yeah. Right. And so that that's how I see it, is that I may not be able to be the CEO and have ultimate power, but maybe I can have a relative associated power through what he has. Because yes, is he still going to be a puppet to, to Matson? Sure. But a puppet in that position still has a lot of power, more than Kindle right now, more than Roman. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Yeah. So now uh, I want to talk about the true eldest boy, <laughs> the true eldest son, Connor Roy. Oh, and I, I kind of paired up. I, I, lo- I love Connor. Um, do you remember him in Ferris Bueller's Day? Yeah. It's yeah. No to the uh, <laughs> that's right. And I kind of paired him up with Willow. So I thought we'd talk about them together. Played by, of course, already joked about Alan Ruck and Justine Lupe. Um, now, I want to tee up the conversation with my thesis, my thesis thesis on Connor Roy and Willa is he's not only, in my opinion, he's not only the most stable Roy of, of the four of them. He also has the most stable relationship with his mm-hmm. partner, Willa. Because mm-hmm. I used to, you know, in the vein of us comparing the show to Game of Thrones, there was um, Clayton uh, introduced this saying to me a long, long time ago is don't fall in love with the character because they're going to die. Yeah. And I felt that way to use the same metaphor. I I realized I I shouldn't fall in love with any relationships. Like when I, as soon as I saw like, for example, Shiv and Tom, like, oh man, they're really, they're really working out and everything's getting back on track. They have the fucking blowout fight on that porch patio thing. Right. But Connor, exactly. Connor and Willa have the most stable relationship, even though Willa was a, 
an escort mm-hmm. in season one. People forget that. Um, and I, so I would say, in my opinion, Connor is the most stable. Roy has the most stable relationship. And most importantly, has the most stable relationship with Logan. Yeah. We only get context clues of this throughout this. It's never explicitly said like he knows about the, the, um, the funeral plot. Mm-hmm. There's that video of him singing to his dad, the little teacup song. Like there was a relationship that the other, they the didn't other three see. didn't have. Yeah. No, I wanted to bring up that scene actually. Um, Cause I, when I was after the last episode, I, you know, I was, I went on Reddit and was kind of scrolling through and reading what people are thinking that, that really, it almost puts it in it. Roy in a different or Logan Roy in a little different light. Like if you notice in that scene, he, you know, his son, Connor, you're talking about the video yeah, for the yeah, audience. The video. Okay. So, so, you know, Connor is, you know, way more relaxed, making fun, openly making fun like of teasing, dad, him. teasing him. Yeah. And his, his laughing. You also see, um, is it Carrie, his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're holding hands, and they're in front of the other, you know, you know, Cecilia, Frank, Carl. Frank, yeah, Carl, uh, the old guard, all the old guard, yeah. So it's interesting because you know, I almost started thinking like, was Logan as bad as he was, or was it just to his kids? Which is still so. Bad, you, ooh, yeah. do you feel like from that one scene, you had a completely new reflection of his character? Possibly. Yeah. I was started thinking about wow. that. That really brought a lot of introspection to it. Cause like maybe it, maybe he's, and he still was going to blow off. He was, yeah. He was, he was <laughs> terrible, but like, you know, was this, you know, was he just really just hard on his kids and that was the thing, or was he, he just, you know, he saw the joy of just, you know, driving them insane. It, it, it made me think a little bit about that, but I thought that was an interesting thing. And in the funeral plot thing, how he was the only one texting Connor about his uh, mausoleum uh, yeah. was, was kind of funny. No one knew about that. I found that yeah. very interesting. He got a great deal on it. You know, and I was like, they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> because technically he was the oldest. He was his firstborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't really want any to be any part of the business. Um, oh, not at all. Yeah, so I think his dad kind of... And his silly presidential aspirations. Yeah, which they didn't really take seriously. <laughs> I got 1%. Yeah. I got 1%. <laughs> yeah, it's... The the relationship dynamic is, is, is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. He's most stable. And if you don't count the disgusting brothers, they definitely had the best relationship. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, I think it was... A perfect comic relief, uh, both the writing and uh, Alan Ruck's delivery of it with his yeah. lines, because it was a brilliant mixture of like unintentionally funny slash aloof slash kind of weirdly making sense sometimes. And uh, it's that his in season four, particularly, I was like, this feels like a character out of Veep. Um, (laughs) which is probably one of my favorite comedies. So yeah, Yeah. really enjoyed his his performance. Let's transition to those disgusting brothers. Let's talk about Tom Wamsgams and Greg Hirsch played by Matthew McFadden and Nicholas Braun. I will, I will, I loved them. They were they were the fa- my favorite kind of roller coaster on the show when they would have their weird fights and slap each other to their um, "I got you, I'll sell my soul for you" kind of mm-hmm. conversations. And I would, I mean, Tom. I think, I think Tom sometimes had some of the best. I think I 
though I thought Roman had some of the best lines, I think I thought Tom was like the funniest. Yeah. I feel like there was some mm-hmm. sort of a performance that was a, a how he how he delivered them was funny and how he talked to Greg and you Greg did and all this shit, like all of his little. His and he like pulls the table, lifts the table, starts screaming. Yeah. Some yeah. of their scenes are the best duo scenes probably. Oh, absolutely. Far, yeah. The perfect far. odd couple. I would say Greg is my favorite character just for the record. Yeah. Cause I don't, as much as everybody is kind of unlikable and antiheroes in a lot of different ways. Usually every show has a, some character that acts as the audience. And Greg is probably the closest one. He kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, to become yeah. this higher, and, and he was so smart at um, knowing when to hold information, give information, steal information, or blackmail to get what he wanted. So, I and in a lot of ways, he was kind of an aspirational character because he learned it from the the, the trash siblings. He just like observed yeah. it. He was al- always like they were cousins to each other, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. They were they were my favorite character. You know, duo of all uh, the Sporus thing. Well, the, here's what I, I don't, let me backtrack a little bit. I, I almost, they were almost like, it was almost like a brotherly relationship between the two. Oh, exactly. How I oh, saw yeah. It. oh, yeah. And in the end, it was kind of funny because even though Greg betrayed Judas. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Tom still <laughs> kept him. And I think because Tom, even though he's going to let it I think fly. he saw himself in Greg. Oh, yeah. Well, That's he's also he an outsider. Him. Yeah. Both of them are outsiders to the family. And mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And they were willing to do what they needed to do to get to where they were. So I think, you know, that Tom got to that point, he he forgave him. But he yeah, he he sees a lot of himself. I well, in the vein of me calling this all an Orwellian overture, they all, you know, they were quick to forgive all of everybody was quick. You know, yeah. when, I, I was I was always surprised to be like, didn't this person just stab this other person in the back and now they're having dinner together or vice versa or, you know, stuff like that. So, of course, he, you know, I don't even look at it as forgiving Greg. It's almost, you know, back to the Game of Thrones kind of references. It's it, he was just playing the fucking game. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the corporate world, too. I mean, this is that that's to an extreme and it's dramatized, too. But, I, you know, I'm thinking about this. You know, just in some of my relationships at work and working in a, a very, very large company, th- there are a lot of times where I butt heads with people and, you know, get in arguments about something. We're trying to achieve the same thing. And then 20 minutes later, we're at lunch and we're just kind of joking around and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a business and a personal aspect to it, too, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I that's I think you said it the right way. It, it's playing the game. It's also like a, a power play. It's this constant power play, like alpha, beta, mm-hmm. uh, pack, like wolf pack situation. Like, um, you keep bringing, or what did you call it? Um, Aurelian. Ugh, I can't say Aurelian. it, but Aurelian. Aurelian. But I, when I was watching or- it, Orwell, or- or- Aurelian, um, yeah. I thought it was more Ayn Randian. Like, Ooh, all, why? All Ooh. the care because let's discuss. Ayn Rand's care. I, I don't really, I'm not a big believer. Like the Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged. Oh, yes. You know, those big kind of time stories. fountain, like the Fountainhead, like big time, um, especially like, like just more of the Ayn Rand character development. The objectivism is, I'm, is that what you mean? And Ayn Rand's theory of philosophy? I'm not big on, I mean, I'm not a fan of her f- philosophy, but 
I do love how her characters are and she has very much mm. like the protagonist which was Kendall clearly and like you have um your your villains and you have um there's always like a woman there's a lot of like like one or two mean strong female characters um and there's like it's her the right, reason why I think it's in Randian more so is that is a very strong character development in all of her books I haven't read all of her books I've read like a, like atlas shrugged they're they're only characters they're, in my they're, humble that's it's like just, there's no plot so, yeah they're ex- this one has a this plot. one has a plot but it, the character the characters remind me of Anne randian characters especially with the capitalism and all money money and like the father and like building so th- that's what it reminded me a lot of but when you brought yeah so um as and as, it, it kind of makes sense that tom would take the throne too at the end because um Roy like Logan Roy came like he kind of worked up from nothing right like was didn't he come not he wasn't that as poor as everyone mm. thought he was but I don't know I don't know if he was a nepo baby or no, he, he came wasn't. from nothing yeah. or I have no idea yeah I I to your point um I feel like that scene with Tom and Matson was telling when he pretty when Matson pretty much says I'd like to fuck your wife and he's like oh okay was, sure that's when like he knew Okay, this is my CEO. Yep. Like I can do, I can literally well, he's a puppet master this man yeah. any any way I want if he's if he's willing to do that with with his wife. Yeah, I thought these two were uh, excellent. The facial acting between them, I think there's oh, in yeah. the whole, the cast like as physical a whole, comedic acting. Yeah the, yeah, the cast as a whole, I feel you know bad for people that were just listening and not watching it because you almost. Sometimes the words, the the physical words, didn't matter as much as the looks on their faces did, um, and that was <laughs> it was really interesting to me. I just laughing. Yeah, the, the uh, I mean, it's, it's the way it was. Um, but um, I I titled Greg the King of the Glow Up uh, from where he oh. went from. Oh, I like from that. season one to to up. being in a co- throwing up out of a costume. Uh, to having a uh, two hundred fifty thousand oh, dollars yeah. salary by by the end of the yeah he, he was he was taught how to be <laughs> you're, you're, I love when he yells at him he's like you are the fucking most highest paid goddamn yeah. assistant two hundred k and I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat and I think there is an aspect there too of that specific line um, in the corporate world what you do see is you see people hitch their wagon to somebody above them. And as that person climbs, they climb. And that is mm-hmm. what yeah. Greg and Tom did. Yeah. Greg said, yeah. Yeah. I'm hitching my wagon to you, Tom, because you're a yes man. And at a company like this, the yes man is going to rise and will literally stab his wife in the back to rise. And he did that in season three and it carried on in season four. And Greg said, that's the wagon I'm hitching to. Um, can I ask you guys about what did you think about the scene Whereas, like, after he's, I, th- I think it was season, I don't know if it was the beginning of season four, but it's him and Shiver in the bedroom, and he was explaining, like, like why he did that to her, basically. He's like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, oh, I, love I like mm-hmm. nice things. I like, don't act like, it was the most, I mm-hmm. love that monologue between them. It was the most honest, and that's why I love Tom's character so much, too. Is because of the honesty you're constantly seeing. Maybe Tom is my favorite character. And I'm not thinking about it. Well, Tom is to me. Tom is the most sympathetic. Yeah. Like when Shiv would do, when Shiv would cheat on him, 
or she didn't like say shit. Lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when he would night. say stuff to her, when they were on the beach, and he would say stuff like, "I wonder if you know the sad me without you would be as you know oh. bad as the sad me that, with you." Oh, you that know, scene. Like, yeah, that you know, and I, I yeah. really like, yeah, that 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 just pulled my heart out of my chest. And and he's no dummy too, you know, mm. like. Yes, he is going to be a figurehead in a way, but like I said earlier in the discussion section, there's still a lot of power that he gets oh, to yeah. wield, even mm-hmm. if, you know. Uh, so he's no dummy, and yeah, I think a lot of the time he's one of the most sympathetic characters to me, especially with his dynamics with Shogun. The thing that he said in one line where I was like, "He knows how to play the game," was his uh, bottle of wine line, where he's like, <laughs> "You get a nice aged bottle of wine, you cherish it, you hold on to it." talking about you know information and then mm-hmm. when the perfect moment comes around you take that bottle of wine and you smash somebody in the fucking face with it <laughs> he did a great one one liars my friends i got my friends to watch it and one of them was like ali the scene where he says he swallowed his own <laughs> you swallowed your old load i mean yeah but i mean <laughs> like, that was a, just a great episode guess yeah, what i because he did start off kind of like this doofus and then you're like he's not a doofus like he did have probably one of the most largest character arcs yeah. of the show like seeing him develop and then, and then like emotionally be torn apart by this family and manipulated and then like he he just started to get his own footing he was like fuck this i have to do what's best for me yep and he's like, I lost my protector when Logan died. Like their relationship got better. So it was just so interesting. He got what he wanted. He wanted to be close to Logan more than almost anything. Before we cap this uh, conversation off on the characters, the heart and soul of the show, I do want to give some love to the old guard. That's Frank, Jerry, and Carl. I, I love their, their dynamic together. And, all, and I also want to give some love to, to characters that kind of became glue throughout the show. And of course, the closest thing to another villain, or I will just say an antagonist. So first is uh, Stewie, Kendall's longtime college friend that would literally told him in the beginning, no, I will lie to you. I feel like that yeah. encapsulated a lot of dynamics between characters. Like, no, I will betray you. And they told him to his face. And of course, Lucas Matson, played by Ale- Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, love him. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty dreamy. He's so did you dreamy. ever watch True? Oh, yes. Did you ever watch True yes, Blood? Yes, I did. True Blood? Yes, I did. He was Eric Northman? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, where, that's when I first... First laid eyes on Mr. I, I got into that show like a couple years ago. I've watched Look, it. People forget that. Like, I think his first role, not his maybe for not first role ever, but major mm-hmm. role was he was in fucking Zoolander as one of the <laughs> yeah. models. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, I want to um, since we focused uh, most of our time on the characters, I do want to give a little love to some of the other things that made succession, succession, succession. So we are, we started with the characters, but we need to talk about a little bit of the story and the plotting. And most people already know that. And the narrative. Most people already know that a lot of these family dynamics are based on Fox's Murdoch family dynamics. And that's why it gets compared to the reimagining of a Shakespearean tragedy. But I, I kind of wanted to, I, I want to, I wanted to ask you guys this. How much do you really feel like how much of the story do you feel is close to reality, you know, or, and how much do you feel like is just fictional hyperbole for entertainment's sake? Well, I will say there is one scene and I can't remember what season it is, but they're like in a deposition or they're getting questioned by 
Mm-hmm. Congress, Congress or something. You got to break a couple of or to make a oh, tom- for all- break a couple of grass. There, there's like in somebody's done a YouTube um comparison of it showing it, it I, was it Congress they were they were or was some house. court thing. Yeah. It was the house. Yeah, it was the house deposition. There is a parallel to that and it's very I think they use that as an inspiration of the Murdochs in front of parliament getting questioned. Um mm-hmm. Uh, with his son, like, so there's one where Logan Roy kind of turns and says, I think Kendall can answer that. Uh, that there's, there's, a, there's a, a similar thing that happened where Ru- Murpert Rudock said the same thing where he kind of like threw his son under the bus a little bit during that. So there are some parallels there. And this comes on the heels of yeah. them, you know, settling their Oof. billion dollar, yeah. uh, being, being sued. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, defamation defamation yeah defamation, yeah, defamation yeah. things yeah. like that and so yeah so so yeah i mean i don't know to me i think it's still a lot of hyperbole i think there's yeah. elements that are real but it's it a lot of this is is for entertainment and storytelling and i mean i i've the company i used to work at was founder <laughs> founder started family led for a long time and got purchased very similar to this by a yeah. large tech company. Um, no shit. And hmm. and I will say that I think it's more it's it's accurate in the family dynamic of who feels like they should get to take over, whether or not they earned it or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but once you take the family aspect out of it, and it's a a wholly owned company, you know strictly by shareholders and there's no more family, you know, founder led type aspect to it. Then I think the story changes a lot. They said it's like what four different families. They think that it was like, he's loosely based it off. Of yeah, the, the original conception was four different families, but a lot of it molded into the murder yeah. so. yeah. which makes sense. I mean, yeah. And we can't have storytelling without amazing writing. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I already kind of talked about how I've already considered this the best dialogue in a you know scripted television series ever definitely some of the best insult comedy kind of dialogue so all i will say about it is is all you writers out there listening all you screenwriters you know that's a different beast than novels and other forms of writing and poetry and things like that all you screenwriters out there take note like this is your model of how to achieve perfection now uh, we can't uh, we can't end one of our shows um, until we talk about some of the other things that is the glue that is uh, these kind of television um, shows and that's cinematography direction, of course, the music. Now, if you, uh, so for all those people that are listening that are just lay viewers of a show like this, you probably didn't notice that a lot of the cinematography and direction was based off of what's called handheld or shaky cam. And there was a lot of quick zooms in and out. And, and there was actually a purpose behind that because what the direction style intended to do was make you, the viewer, part of the people in the room. They wanted to make you feel like you were a voyeur, that you're not just in the audience eating your popcorn, but you're you're a studio mm-hmm. head. You're an executive. You're you're literally in the room helping them pick fucking the next president or whoever yeah. they're, whatever they're doing in a scene. I will say the the you know, <laughs> this is kind of a minor point, but the introduction is one of the best like oh yeah uh int- uh series intros um and that's a hip hop people like talk about music theory for a little bit that composer nicholas bertel mm-hmm. he based that theme on hip hop music mm-hmm. that's why it's so catchy yeah. there's a push a t 
actually used it and mashed it up with a song called Puppets. And it is, it's awesome. Like, it, 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 it goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes, it goes hard. But I put it right up go. there with my all-time favorite, uh, which is Mad Men, uh, which used the RJD, yeah, RJD2. Uh, you got me into RJT2. I remember, I remember when you first, uh, you first laid eyes, first laid ears on some of that music. You're like, Novo. Oh my God, RJD2. Still have the, that was in college our days. Yeah, I still I have the vinyl we used to listen to. I pulled that out Jesus, the other day. You guys yeah. are cute. Golden oldies <laughs> over here. So cute. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. Oh oh, thank you. Someone someone gets our little dynamic. That's very cute. Um, I mean, my favorite music was Kendall is singing Honesty. Why didn't he take the stage? L to the O-G-A-N. <laughs> oh, he actually can sing. Oh, did you notice? Oh, yeah, that that was like yeah. cringe. That was like a... Uh, oh, yeah. So, but like fun cringe. Come the on. L to the O-G. That was like the Oof. room, Neil Breen kind of cringe. Oof. The stuff we love here. Um, getting more in the karaoke bar. <laughs> I, I loved it. So let's tie a bow on this B so we can get to the gyms and get out of here. So so uh, tell the good people, you know, they need to study this. We know what we do on our shows is we like to cover things that we know we can study artistically to help us, to help the world, to progress. So tell the good people why should they not only watch this for fun, but kind of study it and, you know, analytically for literary purposes, cinematography, all the above. Well, I think kind of what we've been talking about. I mean, this is a master class in almost every aspect, whether it's acting you know, cinematography, um, symbolism, comedy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to look at and love. And I, and one, and one thing we didn't touch on, but I want to say I am digging the whole, let's keep things to like three to four seasons movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Me too. Right now. Yeah. I like it's it. Very yeah. British, <laughs> like how the British series work. And I, and I think it's perfect because it, it, you know, it ends at a perfect time when it's on top and it doesn't overstay its welcome. So I think this is a show that really shows how to do that and pacing and storytelling without it getting dull at all. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it is one of those shows that as far as especially if you're getting into like if you're getting into acting or want to learn more about like the hero archetype in each character, um, it is like this, that classic masterclass like you said studying it so it is very important to important show and and the acting is phenomenal mm-hmm. like oh, it's yeah. just to, like to see the range of emotions especially the, the of course uh, i'm one of those people that, like english actors are better those english actors like you have like brian cox and um the one who plays tom Matthew McFadden. Yeah. yeah like and what's her and um chinook or whatever her she's a Sarah she's english she's an aussie she's australian oh she's australian well those are fantastic actors as well yeah so yeah you just like uh, take a lesson like soak (laughs) it in no i just wanted to i've always said like great acting is when you kind of forget that they're acting and it makes you you can kind of feel Oh, when Tom and Shiv were on that balcony, Oof. I I that, literally looked to my wife, TV Del Rio, and I feel like I I feel like we're watching like I feel like we're literally watching real people right now. It, yeah, yeah. Or or the the final one of the final scenes of the the kids arguing in that conference room. It, it kind of oh my god when they were fighting and shit that fighting, was intense. Yeah. It was intense, and I I kind of forgot. I got yeah, like Clayton said, you feel uncomfortable, and I think that's you know to Ali's point, that's 
great acting right there. Yeah, not much more to be said. Masterclass in writing, <laughs> acting. I, I can't stress the facial acting any more than yeah. I probably already have. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, how to land the plane. There's not enough <laughs> shows that do that very well, and they nailed it. We didn't. How to land the plane. We, we need to give a, a little nod to um, Greg's grandfather. That actor. Oh yeah, or or you win. Good take. Strong oh. take. Yeah, you win the character. His his one of his go to lines that I had to write down was, "The Logan Roy School of Journalism. What's next? The Jack the Ripper Women's Health Clinic." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He had like the one lines when he came in though. You're like, yeah, he's definitely a Roy. He came in hot, and he yeah. was just like loved his brother, but was so I loved his character too. <laughs> Look, they're all well, great there you have it folks the series succession from top to bottom check it out if you haven't already it's an amazing reimagining of a shakespearean orwellian and randian from miss alexander parsons point of view story and it'll leave you wanting more so I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank my guests, Miss Alexandra Parsons, Mr. T. Buck, Mr. Clayton Anderson. But before we go, you know, we got a little extra for you, a little, little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gym of the week. If you're new to the show, where, where have you fucking been? We've done a million of these shows, okay? So what we like to talk about here at the end because maybe on our radar for the last day, week, or month, but we want to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Before we get there, let's talk about their sponsors. Today's gyms are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's z-e-n.ai slash art of the beholder, or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gyms. I believe um, we had, uh, we talked gyms before the show, and I think we got two in the house. I lied, I have one. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, well then ladies, then I will, I will, I will run the show. Ladies first. Um, the Crowded Room. I just started watching that show on Apple. Um, fantastic, uh, based on a book, uh, um, that was on a guy who actually had dissociative disorder and, um, it's kind of, so it's loosely based off this character and it's really good, very mind bending and amazing acting in it as well. And Tom Holland is literally taking a year break because it took a toll. This character took such a toll from him. So definitely, definitely watch it. All right, the gym. It's been out for a while. It's been a couple months, but uh, JPEG Mafia, Danny Brown, uh, their album collab, Scaring the Hose. Um, it's, I know, a name. It's, it's a name. Scaring but, the Hose. Um, if you're into like experimental hip hop, um, definitely check it out. I've been following JPEG Mafia for a while. Um, it, it, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but check it out. There's a couple tracks on there that I think are really cool um, that I think. A lot of people enjoy it. So, uh, watched Boston Strangler on Hulu. Um, so if you it's like, period, if you like period pieces and a okay. uh, little bit who done it and uh, Carrie Coon, we like those. Is Carrie Coon, Kira Knightley, Alessandro Nivola, and mm. it's good. Ooh, it's, it's thanks. Fun. I was yeah, wondering if that was good. I'm gonna put it on then. I appreciate yeah, that. Fun. Okay, there we go. That's that's what I love when we actually really take the gyms to heart because there's been a lot of gyms on the show that i'm like oh shit i better check that out so we do it for each other too clayton i got a quick question for you how what's a boston 
uh, Strangler. How's that compared to the Scranton Strangler? Uh, it's different. Okay. Uh, I'll just let you watch it, and you you can come to your All own right. conclusions. It might, you know. There's a theory that Toby's actually the Scranton Strangler. Guys, if you like that, you can follow us at NovaDayProductions.com. You can always check us out at underscore Novo underscore Day and at NovaDayMedia. Miss Parsons, tell the good people how they can follow you. Alexandra underscore Parsons on Instagram or AlexandraParsons.com or Alexandra Parsons Co. on Etsy. Mr. Anderson, how do they follow you? Yeah, just uh, let's do the Nova Day Media. I run the ones and twos on it. So at Nova Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Buck, uh, you already gave us yours at the... Oh, well, no. Just follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's Recovering Parrothead. Um, and then ParrotheadsAnonymous.com. Okay. Well, there you go, guys. So like, subscribe, follow, do all the fucking things. Hit that notification bell. It doesn't matter. We'll, it'll be the same fucking show. Do whatever you want. We don't care. If you'd like to sponsor our little love child or be on the show, you can reach out to us. Well, you can reach out to Clayton, our producer at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. So until next time, we'll see you in the next one. So be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by NovoDay Productions. Created and hosted by NovoDay and the NovoDay Collective. Facebook.com slash NovoDayMedia. At NovoDayMedia on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash music 123 ACO on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.